Hi, Pastor Rob here from Blessed Hope Chapel and RobCartlidgeMinistries.com. What you hold is true. Is it really truth? Will what you believe get you through on Judgment Day? Are you keeping to the pattern of sound teaching held out in Scripture? In this series, Truth, Judgment and Eternity, I intend to deliver messages that check the solidness of our Christian foundation so as to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us as Christ's ambassadors on this earth. Pray, Lord, that um, you um, just send your spirit here now. Um, open the mouth of Rob to speak your words, Lord, and um, I just pray that you put your blessing and anointing over uh, this sermon. May it touch many hearts. Um, may you um, put it out there and um, give people opportunities to be able to see it, to bring them to Christ, to awaken them to Stop them backsliding, Lord, whatever the case may be. Just ask that uh, your favour be um, amongst us and in this sermon and your spirit just fill up this room now and fill our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, thank you, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you really do speak through me. Take the words that I've prepared and do something with them, Lord. Uh, I pray for clarity of mind right now. I pray for everyone's clarity of mind so that we can uh, study the book of Revelation and receive some insight and understanding that is going to help us to piece together the truth of this book and, and the truth of the entire Bible as a whole as well, Lord. So just anoint me now and, and uh, bless everybody here and help us to receive the word that you have for us today. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go back to Revelation one four, so we can turn there quickly. Not a hard book to find, is it? Revelation one four, and it says, or mine says, John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from Him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before His throne. And I'm just going to add one more uh, a snippet from verse 5 and from Jesus Christ. So I just want you to notice that it was from him who is and who was and is to come, the Father, from the seven spirits before his throne, the Holy Spirit, and from Jesus Christ. So we have a, a Trinity verse just there, don't we? Okay, so the seven churches in Asia, Revelation 1, 4a, because it says John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. The Asia of those days is not what we think of Asia today, like Taiwan and China and Thailand, Japan, India. That's how we think of Asia today. John was referring to what many call Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. So all of the seven churches today are within the region of Turkey or the country of Turkey. Yep. So that's, I just want to make that clear. Jesus chose to write to seven churches, not because there were only seven churches in Asia Minor. There was more churches. Colossae was a church that was within that area. Um, but he's, he chose seven churches and because the sum total, and this is what I believe, the sum total of the letters to the seven churches chosen, chosen would speak to the church as a whole. So by speaking to those seven churches... 
he's spoken to the church universal. It's like there's seven dimensions of church life and he's reached every part of those uh, dimensions by speaking to those seven churches. Now we also, uh, tradition tells us that John planted those seven churches. So uh, whether that's true or not, it would make perfect sense, wouldn't it? It would speak not only to the church as a whole at that time, but throughout the entire church age. So the studying of the seven churches that we're going to do is going to really help us understand church life, and also we're going to receive corrections and also um, probably uh, encouragement from each of the churches. A lot of people, a lot of ministers today, and I've been included among these ministers, will say we are the church of Laodicea, as if the church of Laodicea being the last day's church, the last of the seven, therefore, you know, all of those corrections in that church, to that church uh, are for us. But there's six other churches with a whole range of things that also speak to us quite clearly. All right? So keep that in mind. So that was... That was to the seven churches in Asia Minor. It is to him, past, present, and future, Revelation 1, 4b. And I'm just going to briefly go through this as well. 1, 4b, and it says, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And that would be referencing the Father. And Revelation 1, 8, if we just go down a little bit further, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Who says that? Who called himself the Alpha and Omega? Jesus. I am the Alpha and the Omega says who? The Lord God. In the NASB, I've got an NASB translation at home, those words are in red. So they put those as Jesus' words. The scholars who, who did, the, um, did the NASB translation, from the wording that they were reading in the Greek the assumption was made that these are the words of Jesus. Now, those people that are against Jesus being God will say, no, that's the Father. But very clearly, in the, um, just a few verses on, Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, I'm the first and the last, I'm the beginning and the end. So he refers to himself as the same title that God gives himself right here. So if this is the Father saying this and not Jesus, he's using the same title. And therefore, for Jesus to use that title, if he wasn't God, would be blasphemy, wouldn't it? So I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I believe Jesus says this, and it says, the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So here we see Jesus Christ. Revelation 4.8. Let's go a few chapters forward. Revelation 4.8. Each of the four living creatures, now this is the first one, God said it. The second one, Jesus said it. This time, the four um, living creatures say it. It had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. I'll start that again. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. Am I in the right spot? Yep. And was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and is to come. Referencing the Father, and I could have just as well said the Lord Jesus Christ because it's referencing the the Trinity. Okay, and we'll keep on moving. Isaiah, let's just go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah. 
goes Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and then the book of Isaiah. So if you want to, if you know where your Psalms are. Now this is using a different way of saying who was and who is and is to come. Who has done this and carried it through, calling forth the generations from the beginning, I the Lord, with the first of them and with the last of them, or with the last, I am he. It's a reference to this beginning and ending in the Old Testament. So Jesus Christ is referenced here as well. And let's move on to 44.6. 44.6 says, This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. Uh, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. So apart from Israel's King and Redeemer, there is no God. Jesus had a, a sign above his head on the cross. It says the king of the Jews. It's fulfilled, this scripture right here. There's so many scriptures that relate to the deity of Jesus that to deny Jesus as being God, I think you've missed the whole point of the New Testament. If you say Jesus is not God, then you haven't read the New Testament with your eyes open. You've read it with blinkers on and you've, you've denied him and you've denied him because it is over and over and over again, Jesus is revealed as King and Redeemer and Lord. All right, Revelation eleven seventeen. Let's just turn there. It says this, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. Now, I want you to notice, it says who is and who was, does it say is to come? Does it? Who's got a King James Version here? Anyone got a King James Version here? If you had a King James Version, it would say who was and who is and is to come. Here it just says, in my translation and in most modern translations, it will say, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. It will not say who is to come. There's a reason why it doesn't say and is to come. Because you have taken your great power and have begun to... Rain doesn't have to say to come anymore because he has come. <laughs> so you don't say who is to come any longer because he's there, he's come. At the seventh trumpet, it's the end of the tribulation, he's come. So he's fulfilled the is to come. Amen? Now, the reason why the King James has it in there is because the, a Roman Catholic priest named Erasmus translated the book of Revelation from a single Greek copy for the King James Version and added to the text of Revelation eleven seventeen and is to come. He added it in because every other reference to who was and who is always added and is to come. He felt it was strange that it wasn't there. He didn't see the fact that he had come, so he stuck it in and is to come. And that's why every King James Version has that. It's an addition to the book of Revelation. Is that dangerous? <laughs> what does it say about adding something? Adding and taking away, you get the plagues added to you if you do it to the... So the King James Version, it's a, it's a great version, but it's not without its failings. It's not the um, authorized version of the Bible. It's not the inspired version of the Bible. It is a good translation, but it has its faults, and there is one of them. Uh, seven spirits before his throne. And this is what I wanted to really get to today, because this is the key uh, to this verse, is Revelation 1, 4c. Let's, let's go back to that. Well, we'll go from grace and peace to you and 
the B section of it says, from him who is and who was and is to come, and from, this is the C section, and from the seven spirits before his throne. Seven spirits before his throne. Is, are we talking about the spirit of God here? How many, how many holy spirits are there? One? One? Seven spirits before his throne? So are we talking about the Holy Spirit? I'm putting it out to, out to you because I've, I've looked at every way people have, have interpreted this. Because now suddenly seven spirits. Yeah, that's later. I'm talking about that later. <laughs> I knew someone was going to answer my question. I didn't want you to answer it. <laughs> I'm putting the question there because I want you to think about this. All right, so... To be dogmatic on this verse is not wise because the Bible is not absolutely clear on what the nature of the seven spirits are. And when I say the nature, there's a whole range of different ways of interpreting it. And actually, a lot of them are quite good. A few of them I don't um, agree with. But I want to present them to you anyway. Some believe that they are different gifts of the Spirit of God. As, as Matthew pointed out, the sevenfold um, Spirit of God the sevenfold, rather than the seven spirits of God, the sevenfold spirit of God. So which means that the spirit of God has seven aspects or natures or, or you know, gifts of the spirit. Some have claimed that God is no longer a trinity, and I'm trying to work out how do you do nine, so what, a ninity? Because, yeah, is that exactly it, is it? No. <laughs> Because there's the Father and the Son and seven spirits, that makes nine. But is, is God a trinity or, or is, has he got nine parts? So that doesn't work either. Anyway, that's something to think about. Seven, I'm not teaching that, by the way. It's not, I believe that's what they believe. Uh, Revelation 1, 4, and this is the Amplified Version, grace and peace to you from the seven spirits, the sevenfold Holy Spirit, before his throne. So there's the sevenfold natural aspects of, of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's also mentioned, the seven spirits of God is mentioned three more times in, in the book of Revelation. So let's quickly go there and we might see some more to it. Revelation 3, 1. And it says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God. Now, I want you to know, in each case, the Spirit is said to be of God. So this is seven spirits of God and the seven stars as a separate thing. So there's the seven spirits of God and the seven stars of God. Now, I want you to remember that. that it's just, some people try to say that the seven spirits and the seven stars are the same thing. You might be able to, in the Greek, read that from that verse. But let's just say the Bible says seven spirits of God and the seven stars of God. And where are they? These are the words of him who holds. They're in the hands of Jesus. So the spirit of God is in the hands of Jesus. And these stars are in the hands of Jesus. Now let's go to 4.5. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder... Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. 
These are the seven spirits of God. So the seven lamps that were blazing before the throne were the seven spirits of God. You know, there's a strong case for making and, and, and declaring that the spirit could be seven but one. There's a strong case for that in this. Now, five, six, but I'm just putting it out there. I'm still not decided on this. I have not decided, but I, I did a lot of research yesterday in relation to it, and I'm still undecided completely because there's not enough teaching on the seven spirits of God in Scripture for us to make a, a complete and total uh, doctrine. We can't get dogmatic. We can't say this is what it is and everything else is wrong. We can't get that dogmatic with this because it is a very a mysterious thing that is made uh, or pointed out in Scripture. And that's how we should approach it. But we should try to, you know, accumulate as many, you know, uh, Scriptures that speak of the same. And why, and this is what I was saying to Andy earlier and Matthew, is the Bible has a way of, of um, revealing itself in it, within it, isn't it? What, how do we say that, Andy? Can you remember? There's, that's better. That's what I was trying to say. Scripture interprets Scripture. Okay? We don't have to go off somewhere else to understand this book. We just have to read this book and then be diligent and study it and grab Scriptures from elsewhere and pull them together to understand the Scriptures that we're talking about. And this is what we're doing today. Revelation 5, 6 did I just read that? Then I saw the lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. And he had seven horns. Who had seven horns? Read it again. Who had seven horns? The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Seven horns and seven eyes. Now, whether the horns and the eyes are the seven spirits of God or the seven horns are separate and the, seven, and the eyes are the spirits of God and the horns are something else, I sort of interpret it as the horns and the eyes are the spirit of God. But it could be interpreted differently there as well. But remember, in each of these cases, it says the spirits, spirit of God. Let's go back to that again. Standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures, he had the seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, grace and peace is expressed to the seven churches from the Father. The seven spirits of God in Jesus Christ, and I made this point before, that the, whole, the spirit that is spoken of here obviously is the Holy Spirit. Some people will claim it's angels. I'll be talking about that later, that it's not the Holy Spirit, but angels of God that do the bidding of God. But clearly, usually you see a Trinity reference. You'll see Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You'll see them all combined. Now, sandwiched between the Father and Jesus Christ is the seven spirits of God. So that is a good argument to say that the spirits of God are the Holy Spirit. So, so far, the stars in, the, in Jesus' hands are the angels to the churches. Go to 16 first, Revelation 1, verse 16. It says, In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. So in his hand he held seven stars. Remember also in the other verse in 5, 
six, he held seven stars, and he held the seven spirits of God. The stars in Jesus' hands are the angels, because it says down in one twenty, it says, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now, angels, I will be talking about this later, but the Greek word, um, I think it's angelos, angelos, and it means messenger. Now, when that term has been used in, in the Bible, it can be used to reference angels, like the actual angelic beings. It can be referenced a, a human. We can be angelos, messengers. We can be messengers. And, you know, right now I'm bringing a message, you know, as a messenger of God. Jesus Christ was an angelos. He came with a message. All the disciples were as well. So they can be men, they can be angelic, they can be God himself. Okay? So the, the English translation just translates them all to angels, and then therefore we, it's hard to discern what exactly are we speaking of here. Is it a man, or are we talking about an angel, an angelic being? The lamp stands also in 120, and it says this, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Okay? So the lampstands are the seven churches, Revelation 1.20. Lampstands refer to the body of Christ. Because a lampstand, if it's a church, because the church is the body of Christ. Amen? United believers are the Lord's body. You know, in this room here, we have, we have hands and we have feet and we have, you know, the heart of the Lord's here and every, all within the body of Christ. So a lampstand is referencing that. The seven blazing lamps are the seven spirits of God. Revelation 4, 5. And I bring this up because I'm trying to take you down a, a path here to understand Scripture further. Revelation 4, 5. There it is. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. And these are the seven spirits of God. So the seven blazing lamps are the seven spirits of God. The stars in Jesus' hands are angels. The lampstands are the seven churches. The seven horns and the seven eyes are the seven spirits of God. And we talked about this before in Revelation uh, five six. Now the seven horns and seven eyes they go out into all the earth. These ones range throughout the earth. So keep that in mind as we go into this. Zechariah four. Just turn back. Now Zechariah, if you know where the book of Matthew is, the beginning of the New Testament, a couple of books earlier in the Old Testament is Zechariah. All right, we're going to read through Zechariah 4. It's quite fascinating. I'm not going to discourse on it completely, but we're just going to pull out a few things from it. Everyone there? And it says, Then the angel who talked with me returned and wakened me as a man is wakened from his sleep. He asked me, What do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it. Remember that. There are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on the left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And he answered, do you not know what these are? 
No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 7, what are you, O mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstones to the shouts of God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who despises the day of small things? Well, we, we better not. We, we are in the days of small things, small church. Don't despise them. Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. And then it says this, these seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range throughout the earth. There's the seven spirits back in the Old Testament. The seven spirits are mentioned right here. And they're, they're mentioned as eyes that range throughout the earth. And in the book of Revelation, is the eyes of the Lord that have gone down upon the earth after Jesus Christ came and the Holy Spirit came to earth. Then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? Again, I asked him, what are these two olive branches? So remember, there's two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand. The lampstand, remember, the lampstand is the body of Christ. There's two olive trees beside the lampstand, and in this reference, this lampstand is symbolic of Jesus himself, singular. What are these two olive trees and branch? And, uh, sorry, again I asked him, what are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? What's oil usually in reference to in the Old Testament? Remember? How did they anoint Aaron? With olive oil. They poured it over him. You know, we get olive oil is always in relation to the anointing and, and, and God speaking upon his messengers. So he replied, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. So he said, these are the two who are anointed. There's the olive oil. These are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. Now, so keep that in mind, what we just read there. The two olive trees anointed to serve the Lord of the earth have had various interpretations. Of these four interpretations, I believe the first one is most accurate. The two witnesses, Revelation 11.4. Let's quickly turn there because it's pretty clear in Scripture here. It says these the, are talking of, speaking of two men. When I get to the two witnesses, when I get to that part of this study, I'll go into many, uh, many of the interpretations men have made in relation to the two witnesses and who they are. I personally believe they're two men. There's a lot of people that don't believe they're men, but I personally believe from all my studies that they have to be to fulfill this totally. So it says, These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth, in verse 4. Did you get that? The two olive trees and the two lampstands. Does that sound like the two anointed to serve the Lord in all the earth? It does, doesn't it? Because they're two olive trees. They're, they're the only other two that are called olive trees in the Bible I know of. Now, that there's also, there have been interpretations that the two anointed to serve the Lord in all the earth is two mighty angels, someone like, you know, Michael and Gabriel. Also Zerubbabel, who was spoken of in that book of Zechariah, and also Joshua, back in uh, Joshua who took over from Moses. Um, and they believe that's a prince-priest thing. 
and that they were endued with the gifts and graces of God's Spirit. I also read Matthew Henry in his commentary said it's the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Hmm. But um, the Lord Jesus, you know, serving the Lord Jesus doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but anyway, I think it, I believe it's the two witnesses, but I don't want to be dogmatic and uh, I want you guys to come to your own conclusions in relation to it. It's interesting that we're talking about the two witnesses because if we are in fact in the last times, if if what we believe is going on in the world, and we've done a lot of studying in, in relation to the things going on in the world and the timeliness of the times and just where we are on that road, how far along are we? We, we hear with Andy's message last week that the furnishings for the, the, for the third temple have already been made. Everything's, the preparations for that are all done. The only thing they lack is a temple. And even that's being discussed at the moment to be uh, a temple to be built right next door to the Dome on the Rock. And if that temple's built, then that's fulfilling prophecy, the last day's prophecy, because that'll be the temple where the Antichrist stands in and declares himself to be God. So if that's the case, if we are that close, we know that the the nation of Israel was reestablished in 1948. From that moment, the clock's been ticking. I think it was 8 to 12 Prophecies were fulfilled with the nation of Israel coming back together. And as I've said many times, I said, how many nations have become a nation again after 2,000 years? Has that ever happened in history? That the, a people scattered throughout the earth never lost their identity, mind you. They didn't get integrated into a culture and become that culture and lose and forget that they were even Jewish. After 2,000 years... I don't know what my family lineage is 2,000 years ago. But you know what? If I was a Jew, I would know I was a Jew. And even if there was only a Jew 2,000 years ago and somehow I was connected, I would still know I was a Jew. That's the amazing thing about the Jewish people. So this is prophecy fulfilled, powerful, powerful prophecies fulfilled right there. So... And what I was going to say, if that's the case, <laughs> I forgot what, where I digressed to. If that's the case, we should also expect to see two witnesses, two powerful men of God. And you know how we'll know it's them? Not because you meet someone in a coffee shop someday and he sits down and says, you know, um, I'm, by the way, I just want to let you know I'm one of the two witnesses. Oh, really? <laughs> so what are you, can you breathe fire? Can you prove it for <laughs> No, 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 I just know I am. What? what? Who told you that? Oh, I heard a voice from God tell me I'm the, one of the two witnesses. Really? Okay. Look, the two witnesses is very clear. They're going to shake nations. They're going to stand up and they're going to speak and people will just will be an outraged from them. These guys are going to be hunted by the authorities and no one's going to be able to harm them because anyone who tries to, fire is going to come from their mouths and devour their enemies. And that's how anyone who tries to harm them must die. That means supernatural powers of God coming out from these two men. That means if fire comes from their mouths and devours enemies, and they can, that means they can defeat men with guns. That means that they could look at a man two miles away who's coming to get him and breathe, and that fire will just shoot forth and kill him two miles away. Because they have to have a greater range than a gun, don't they? But also... The bullets won't be able to penetrate them until the time of the end. At the, la at the end of three and a half years, at the end of their ministry, 
They will be struck down by Satan himself, thus exposing Satan to all the earth. They'll see the beast rise out of the pit. They'll see him. The whole world will know there's Satan. He's real. We thought he was a figment of our imagination, some ancient legend, some myth. But there he is before us. All the news cameras will have him there. And, and why? Because these two men will draw him out. No other two men will ever have been able to draw out Satan out of the pit to expose himself to everybody. These are powerful, powerful men. Now, guys, get ready because they're going to come on the scene. I don't know when, but we've got to keep our eyes open. And we won't even have to because they'll be so, <laughs> you know what I mean? When they're there, we'll know, oh, that's them. You know what I mean? When, when people met Jesus, they knew, yep, this is Jesus. So get ready because the two witnesses are coming. That's why we've got to study the book of Revelation because these, this book is getting fulfilled in these days and we've got to know it. It'll keep us from deception. So before his throne, Revelation 1.4, and it says the seven spirits are before his throne. Jesus holds the seven spirits, as we know, in Revelation 3.1 and Revelation 1.16 and 1.20 also reveal the truth of that. The seven spirits are the seven lamps blazing before the throne in Revelation 4.5. And Zechariah 4.2 also speaks of that. Seven spirits are the seven eyes of Jesus sent out into all the earth, Revelation 5.6. Now, can I just go back to this one? Zechariah 4.2. I just want to show you two little dimensions that God revealed to me this morning as I was sort of meditating on this. Zechariah. Can we slip back to Zechariah? It's one book before Malachi. Zechariah 4.2. He asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights. Seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights. So what he saw was seven lights on a solid gold lampstand on a bowl at the top. So there were seven lights, like flaming torches. That's how he saw them in, in Zechariah 4.2. And also we see in Zechariah 4.10b, the seven eyes of the Lord which range throughout the earth. And in, in Revelation 5.6, it says the same thing. So there's three possible meanings. Uh, seven or hepta in Greek is always considered the number of perfection. And he's found, get this, 56 times in the book of Revelation. Isn't that amazing? 56 times of the 88 times in the New Testament. So there's more mention of the number seven in the book of Revelation than in all the other new, in the rest of the New Testament combined. That's a powerful thing. So if seven indicates perfection, this is one interpretation. Uh, then the seven spirits of God may not be referring to seven different spirits, rather to the perfect sevenfold nature of the Holy Spirit of God. That's one possible meaning. Two, some believe that the seven spirits are referring to seven angelic beings due to the references to the seven angels and the seven churches. Also, there's seven stars in the hands of Jesus, and it says these are the seven angels and the seven spirits were also there. So the seven stars and the seven spirits. Does that make sense? We must remember that the term angel or angelos to the church references a messenger, someone sent by God to proclaim his message. 
this could be Jesus, the Holy Spirit, an angelic being, or even a man. So whether that references an angel or whether it references the Spirit of God, we're not sure. Now, why I'm saying this is I'm teaching through verse by verse through the book of Revelation. This doctrine must be touched on, and I can't be dogmatic. There's things that I am dogmatic on. <laughs> the, the doctrine of salvation, is that its doctrine that you've got to know? Is that a doctrine you can't get wrong? Yeah? Jesus says, many are going to come before me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not do this? Did I not do that? He's going to say, get away from me. I never knew you. Why didn't he know him? Well, for a start, they, don't, they had the doctrine of salvation wrong. They mixed it up. They got it wrong. We can't get the doctrine of salvation wrong. We, and when we get it and we get it right, we've got to be dogmatic because we've got to live by that. But also, if there's little things, because I remember the doctrines I was taught in church for many, 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 many years in relation to salvation were wrong. And I had to be corrected. And thank God for Joe Schimmel. He got me straight on the doctrine of salvation. And because of that, that's one of the main thrusts I teach in this church, isn't it? I'm always on about the doctrine of salvation because it's the most important thing. If we, we can get doctrines like this wrong, but it doesn't jeopardize our our eternal life, right? Who cares if you think differently about me to the seven spirits of God? God's not going to say, you go to hell because you didn't get the seven spirits of God, right? <laughs> you know? But he's going to say, if you don't do the will of God, your father, you're going to hell. Because he says, those that, go, that don't get into the kingdom of God do not do the will of the father. Who knows this? Shall we have a look there just quickly just to confirm it? All right, let's have a look. I'm back on the doctrine of salvation again. <laughs> Matthew 7, 7, 21. It's easy to remember. Mult 7 and a multiple of 7 is 21. So we can get there quickly. And it says this, it says, Not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven and... This is the most important passage of the whole verse. Only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will get into the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will. And this is the, this is the once saved, always saved thing that you, once you're saved, you can never lose your salvation. It's not in Scripture. I've studied the, the scriptures for 20 years. It's not there. Actually, if anything, there's more references to salvation loss. Losing once what you once had. Only he who does the will. People say it's not a work salvation. That's works. No, it's not. Fulfilling the will of God is by default producing fruit in keeping with repentance. Amen. So this doctrine, we can't muck up. If you, if you have any discrepancies with this with me, just I've, got, I've done oodles of sermons that I go through and I pull the scriptures up and make it clear as day. It can't be denied. If you deny it, you have to deny scripture. Because I, I, how many scriptures did I pull up in the if sermon? Who's seen the if sermon? Yep. How many scriptures? 20, 30, all saying exactly the same thing. If you live like this, it says, brothers, if you live, continue to live like this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God 
And the list of things that he said, if you continue to live in, were sinful things. But we get taught you can sin all you want and you won't, won't lose your salvation. Have you heard that, Daniel? Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it so many times it used to burn my ears. Didn't itch my ears because people have that itching ear. Oh, really? I can, I can sin still and I can't lose my salvation. Awesome. What does that do? It breeds unrepentance. Because what is repentance? It's turning from living that way and following Jesus Christ. If you continue to live in sin, you will not receive, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You will, if you don't do the will of the Father, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. So people's doctrine has to be corrected. And that's why the Christian church in the West is so weak and powerless. We don't have our communities affected anymore. Because we're not getting changed, because the doctrines we're receiving doesn't change us. We don't become Christian and say, never again will I sin and I'm going to walk and follow Christ and live for him and devote myself to him. We become Christian and think, great, I can be a Christian, I can be a pagan at the same time. And we miss it. We miss it. We lose the power because the power comes through holiness, through walking in righteousness. And when he said the word many, many will come to me on that day. Many will come to me on that day, and he will cast them out. It's the same, ref- same word that they use for when it says many are on the broad road. There's a broad road, and many are on it, including professed Christians. Walking that broad road that leads to destruction, and they don't want correction. They don't want it. You tell them that's not the truth of Scripture, and they don't want to hear it. Don't. Don't talk to me. That's heresy. I want to live in my sin, and I want to be called a Christian. You know, if I don't teach this, I'm held accountable. I'm held accountable more than you guys. You might get into heaven and say, hey, Rob didn't teach it, so I'm, I'm, I'm innocent. <laughs> but you can't. You can't get into heaven, and if you continue to live like pagans... You, you won't enter in the kingdom of heaven, so you need to change. And that's, because, that's why I teach it, because I want to get it off me. I don't want to go to hell because I didn't teach the truth. Amen? Okay, so we must remember that the term angel or angelos to the church references to a messenger, someone sent by God. Okay. And then the last possible meaning, um, some believe that the seven qualities of the Spirit are listed in Isaiah 11.2. So let's quickly... Jump over to Isaiah. Remember, if we go to Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and then we've got Isaiah. And it says this, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So we've got the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So what they believe is the seven qualities of the Spirit of the Lord are listed there, and as in one being the spirit of the Lord, two being the spirit of wisdom, three being the spirit of understanding, four, the spirit of counsel, five, the spirit of power, six, the spirit of knowledge, and seven, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Reasonable. Again, it's, it's a, a possible interpretation for that scripture. Do you think it's good that we, we look at all the different views and come to our own conclusions? I think it's healthy as, as uh, Bereans, to know all these different things. And, and think about it. The Holy Spirit's also known under different titles in the New Testament. Like there's the Holy Counselor, 
He's the comforter. He's our advocate. He's the spirit of life. He's our helper. You know, and throughout the ages, many ministers of God of the past who have seen great moves of God, they said that they, they received a spirit of prayer, a spirit that came upon them and caused them to pray. So what it's like is there's so many facets to the Holy Spirit that when we receive a certain facet, it's like he pours out that quality or that part of his nature on us. You know, and there's seven dimensions to him. So again, this, is, this scripture here in Isaiah is about the closest we have in the Bible to a list of the possible seven qualities of the Holy Spirit that I've discovered. You can, if you find any others, let me know. Um, but I think that's, that's a pretty adequate list. But it, and it's also a good possible meaning. But I still, I don't believe the Holy Spirit is seven different spirits. I believe he's one. Yeah, because it says the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, singular. It doesn't say plural. Only in this reference is it plural, and it more than likely means plural in, in nature, quality, gifts, that sort of thing. Okay. And Wayne Jackson of the Christian career said, the plural form spirits may suggest the diversity of his powers. This is what we were just saying. Or in the context of chapters 1 to 3, his ministry within the seven congregations that was selected for illustrative purposes. So the, I don't think it's that, that last possibility, um, but it, it could, it's a possibility. Yeah? All right. And we will finish on that. I think I've gone far enough and taught for long enough. All right, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you that you've given me the honor and the privilege to preach to these wonderful people. Lord, I, th I just pray that uh, what I spoke was fair and reasonable in relation to this scripture, and it, it really had me um, working through so many, so many areas and things and reading so many things yesterday to try to make sense of it. So I thank you that you helped me to gel it to the degree that I did in the short amount of time I had. Um, but Lord, I, I just pray that it, it will be helpful to us um, as we build, because as we look through the book of Revelation, we've got to build our knowledge from the ground up. And these things we discussed today help us to establish a firm foundation that we can build the rest of the book of Revelation upon. And uh, I just pray that everyone here got something from this and that it blessed them in some degree and helped them uh, to understand something they may not have fully had a grip on. And uh, Lord, I just pray your blessing upon all of us as a church. Bless this time of fellowship now. May your spirit be here, wonderfully moving uh, among us all, uh, talking to us all, um, and uh, using each other to minister to one another. And I pray your spirit just uh, be here strongly. And just um, uh, bless everyone here through their week. May... Uh, May you help them in their workplace and um, in their home life, their family life, and in every element of their lives, may you be there and be evident in their life and help them to seek you continuously and read your word and stay in you uh, as devoted Christians. I pray this in your wonderful name. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you search Rob Cartledge in the iTunes store or go to www.robcartledge.com, you'll see a number of different sermon series uncovering religion, truth, judgment, and eternity, apologetics 101, critical doctrine, 
and end times. Feel free to check them out 